We'll go ahead and turn in your Bibles to Revelation chapter 21. We're continuing, of course, our study. I've got up here the New Jerusalem. We're actually looking at, if I can get it to work, here we go. Uh, we're looking at the eternal state. That's chapters 21 and 22, and in chapters 21 and 22, we see a lot of different things. Uh, John is giving the description of what, I, people always used to say heaven, but it's really not heaven. It's a new heaven, a new earth, and a new everything. Our study is coming to a close. We've been seeing what we're calling the consummation. We saw the kingdom has come. That's what we saw. Jesus reigned for a thousand years. We saw the final judgment was the great white throne judgment. And now what we're going to see is, in the future, what is it? We're going to see the new heaven and earth, the new Jerusalem that city and the dwelling place of God, how it all fits together. Last time what we did is we took and said, took chapters 21 and 22, put them together and said, what's not in the eternal state, what is in the eternal state? And so this morning we're going to begin going verse by verse, passage by passage, and this is the dwelling place. And so as we study this morning, we want to get a look at the new Jerusalem, how it's going to fit together. If you remember on the last night that Jesus was with his guys, they were in the upper room, and he had told them he was leaving, and they got all upset about it. And he said in John chapter 14, Let not your heart be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house, there are many rooms. If it wasn't that way, I told you. I'm going to go prepare a place for you. When I get it ready, I'll come back and get you. And thus, I'll, you will always, where I am, you will also be. He told them he was leaving, and he was going to prepare a place. Well, what is this place? What is this place with many rooms? What he said, uh, in my Father's house, there are many rooms. That, that literally means dwelling places. Uh, this is the place that Abraham, back in the Genesis and also in the book of Hebrews, it says that Abraham was looking for a city whose builder and foundation is God. This city is called the New Jerusalem, and we're going to be there, and God has gone to prepare a place for us. Every one of us in this room have believed in Christ for eternal life. He's gone, and he's preparing a place for us, and we're going to see what that place looks like. It's called the eternal state, the holy city, and we're going to see it. In fact, last time in verse 2, we saw the city, or John saw the city coming down. Look at verses 1 and 2 of Revelation 21, 1 and 2. He said, I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth passed away. They're gone. There's no longer any sea. And then he says, and I saw the holy city, new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. So he saw this city coming down, and it, we're going to talk about it, but it's going to be really big, and it's used, and it's the place for us. This is the place we will be for all eternity. Now, you understand that in this earth, there's a city called Jerusalem. It's you know it's over in what we call Israel. It was the capital of when King David was there, when Solomon. It's the capital of Israel today. It's going to be in the kingdom. It's going to be the, 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 the capital of the world. And God, Jesus Christ for himself, is going to rule from Jerusalem. And then later on, there's going to be a new place. There's going to be a new one. There's going to be a new Jerusalem. And we've heard people say things like about heaven. They say, you know, it's got streets of gold and pearly gates and everything. We're going to talk about this new Jerusalem. Does it have streets of gold? Is there pearly gates? Is, is there a place of no more tears, more no sadness? We, we saw some things quickly last week. We're going to go now verse by verse and put it to there. And let me just say this. Are there streets of gold? And are there pearly gates? Well, it says that is. Now, let me just say it this way. I think there probably will be streets of gold and pearly gates. But it could be that what he's got for us is so far beyond what we could imagine that he's using these terms to describe it for us. Okay, I'm just saying that. I, I still say that I think there'll be gates of pearls and I think the streets will be gold. But it could be that it's so far beyond that we can't even grasp it. 
So let me give you what, what we're going to look at this morning, verses 9 through 27. We're going to see the description of the new Jerusalem, the holy city, the 12 gates, the 12 foundations, the size of the city, the materials of the city. And we also find who's there. There's no darkness, that kind of thing. So it's really, really incredible. So look at with me at Revelation 21. Let's start. Let's go back down to, uh, to go to verse 9. We saw verses 1 through 8 a couple weeks ago. Okay, then it says, Then one of the seven angels, who had the seven bowls full of the seven last plagues, came and spoke with me, saying, Come here, I will show you the bride, the wife of the Lamb. Now here's John. He's the one that was on the island of Patmos. He was, he was got a vision. God take him up into heaven. God showed him the heavens. He showed him the throne. He showed him the whole tribulation time period, all the judgments on the earth. He showed him the second coming of Christ, the thousand-year reign of Christ, the great white throne judgment. And now he's showing him that what we'd say is the, the eternal state. And he's already seen a new heaven and a new earth, and he's already seen a city coming down. This angel comes to him. This is one of the angels. If you remember, that angels had these bowls that they poured out, the seven bowls of judgment, the last plagues. And he says, one of those angels who had those came up to him and said, come here, I will show you the bride, uh, the wife of the lamb. Now, he says that, the bride, the wife of the lamb, and the city represents the dwelling place of all believers, both Old Testament and He says, the bride of the lamb. He'd already said back in verse 2 that this was a place prepared for, uh, you know, God prepared as a bride for her husband. So what you understand, this whole city, everything, is a picture of, of us coming together, being with God forever. And I want you to understand something. In the New Testament, the believers are called the bride of the lamb, the bride of Christ, bride of the lamb. In the Old Testament, believers are called the wife of Jehovah. So he's using this analogy that there's a city and it's made ready for us. In fact, look at verse 2. I, I want to go back to verse 2 and it says, and I saw this holy city. It knew Jerusalem. And I saw the holy city coming down out of heaven from God. And how was it prepared as a bride adorned for her husband? He said, this is the idea that God is bringing all of those together as his wife, as his bride. He's bringing us all together to live forever with him. God has always dwelt among his people. Think about it. In the garden, at the Shekinah glory in the wilderness, the tabernacle, the original building there, the temple, Jesus himself when he walked on the earth, the temple that's being built during the kingdom, and then now the new Jerusalem. And he's going to be there. And we're going to see a lot more information as we get through it today. And, and I, let me just tell you that this, we, got, we got this message today, and we got two messages in chapter 22, and then we got a summary, and we're through. And so I want you to really, if you've got time over the next couple of weeks, just read chapters 21 and 22, put them together, because it is the end time. And what I've been doing, and I, I, what I do this all the time, whenever I'm studying, I continually read whatever we're studying. And for the last two or three weeks, I have just been reading every day chapters 21 and 22, 21 and 22, putting together, seeing how it fits. So he says, there's a city, and the city, it's coming down, and it's called New Jerusalem, and it's prepared, it's ready for like a bride and a groom as they come together. So look what happens, look at verse 10, what John says. And he, that angel, carried me, John is saying, and he carried me away in the spirit to a great high mountain. And he showed me the holy city, Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God. Now he says, in the spirit, it was like, I'm there. And he just takes me up, and I'm on a mountain, and I'm able to see. And let me just tell you something. God had to, I mean, the angel had to take him to something, because the city he's about to see, you cannot imagine 
how big this city is. And we're going to see it in just a minute, how big it is. And so in the spirit, that, and look what he says. Uh, he carried me away in the spirit to this great high mountain. He showed me the holy city, Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven. And then he says in verse 11, having the glory of God and her brilliance was like a very valuable stone, like a stone of clear, clear, uh, crystal clear jasper. He says it had the glory of God. Think about that. It's so beautiful. It's sparkling. It looks like a, 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 a crystal, a, a jasper, a, a this big stone. It's like this big city coming, and it's sparkling, and it's beautiful, and it's glowing, and it's, it's like the presence of God. And, you know, uh, it, the glory of God, uh, you know, you say, well, glory of God? When have anybody ever seen the glory of God? Well, you remember the shepherds? And the glory of God shone upon them, and they were very much afraid. I mean, the glory of God is when God makes his presence known sometimes. And the nation of Israel saw him in a pillar of fire and a cloud and all those kind of things, and, and the Shekinah glory, and, 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 and suddenly... There's a city coming down, and it is so beautiful. It's sparkling. It's beyond, it's beyond our comprehension. Now, you know, we don't have any drawings. I'm going to show you one little drawing of what somebody... But no, nobody knows how to draw this. Nobody knows what this really, really looks like. It's just incredible. So, uh, the glory of God. And so, he's, here's, he begins the description. Verse 12. It had a great high wall with 12 gates, and at the gates, 12 angels. And the names were written on the gates, which are the names of the 12 tribes of the sons of Israel. Now, he starts off by saying that he sees the city coming down, and around the city is a wall. Now, the wall is really high. We're going to find in just a few minutes that the wall is 216 feet high. Let's just round it and say around 200 feet high. Now, if you've been somewhere with a 10-foot wall or a 20-foot wall or a 30-foot wall, you can say, that's pretty tall. For a wall, but what about 216 feet for a wall? You'd say, I, I, can't, I can't only see the top of the wall. It's just so tall. There's this wall around the city, and it, it's huge. Um, I can't get this to work. Let's see if we can make it work. There it is. The high walls are around the city, but listen, notice what it says about it. It had a great high wall, and with it, 12 gates, and at the gates were 12 angels. And the names were written on the gates, which are the names of the 12 tribes of the sons of Israel. Then he goes on to say, three gates on the east, three gates on the north, three gates on the south, three gates on the west. So there's these gates around it. And so he sees the city, and each side has three gates, three gates, three gates, three gates. He, he understands that, whether, whether north, south, east, and west, there are the gates. And not only that, not only are the gates, there's 12 gates. The city is like a square with three gates on each side. So he's saying, wow, what a city. And then there's something else. Notice it says that at the gates were 12 angels. You know, people have always talked about the pearly gates, and we're going to talk about it in a minute because they are made out of pearls, or a pearl. And, and everybody says, you know, who's, who's at the pearly gates? Who have you heard all your life? Who's waiting at the pearly gates to decide to let you in? It's Peter. Peter's not at the gate. Angel's at the gate. An angel at each one of these gates. And we'll talk more about it in a second. And, and notice it says, And on the names of the gates were the twelve tribes of the sons of Israel. Twelve angels guarding the gates, twelve tribes of Israel. The gates represent the nation of Israel. Can you imagine going up to a gate and it says Levi? Going up to this gate, it says Judah. This one says Benjamin. This says Naphtali. This says Asher. This says Gad. And you start going around. So each of the so each of the 12 gates of the 12 uh, tribes of Israel. You go, wow. 
Well, you know, some people say, God's through with Israel. He, been, he got through with them when they rejected Christ. No, he's never been through with them. We've seen that. We saw in the tribulation that when he takes the, the church out before the tribulation, the whole tribulation deals with the nation of Israel, and the nation of Israel believes in Jesus Christ. At the end, we're going to see in the, in the kingdom, Israel is there, and, and the 12 apostles, and then we're going to see here that the nation of Israel is there, and that, and that the gates, there are 12 gates with the names of the tribes of Israel. It's just amazing. It is amazing. So the gates represent the nation of Israel. But there's more. There's three on each side, but look what it goes on to say. Uh, let me read 13 again. There were three gates on the east, three gates on the north, three gates on the south, three gates on the west. And then watch this. And the wall of the city had 12 foundation stones, and on them were the 12 names of the 12 apostles of the Lamb. Now, there are 12 foundation stones uh, around. Now, nobody knows whether that means there's a foundation stone, and then another one, and another one, and another one, and they go up 12, or whether all the way around at different places there's a stone, there's a stone, stone that goes all the way around. There are 12 of them. Nobody knows exactly how it fits together. But what is amazing about it, these stones had the names of the 12 apostles. Think about it. The names of the 12 apostles. That's symbolic of the church. The apostles are the foundation of the church. Do you realize that the apostles are the foundation of the church, the body of Christ that we're in? Ephesians 2.20 says, having been built, talking about the church, having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone. So when you see this city, and it's gigantic, and it's got this wall that's 200 and something feet high, and then you see the walls around the city, and, and it, has, it has, has 12 gates, and it, each of the gates is an angel, and it's got the name of the tribe of Israel on it, and then there's these foundation stones all the way around, or either up, that round, and they've got the name of the apostles, the 12 apostles. Okay, so let me ask you a question. What 12 apostles? Which 12? We all know there was like, well, Andrew and Peter and James and John and Matthew and Thomas and James the Less. It means he was shorter than the other James, which I don't really like the word short. But anyway, that comes in there. And then there was this guy named Simon. The and so there were 12. But what happened to one of them? One of the 12 was named Judas what? Judas Iscariot. And he's gone. And so who are the 12? Who could it be? Well, some people say, well, if you remember in Acts chapter 1 that they all got together, they decided they needed to pick another apostle to go in Judas's place, and they picked a guy named Matthias. Do you think it's going to be Matthias? Well, something, well, no. Well, what about Paul? Paul the apostle. I mean, here's a man that wrote 13 letters in the New Testament, three missionary journeys, was the man who presented the gospel clearly, was an apostle to the Gentiles, while Peter was an apostle to the Jews. What about Paul? He's an apostle. In fact, Paul said, I'm an apostle. Have I not seen the risen Lord? I've seen him. But what about a guy named Apollos? Apollos is called an apostle in the Bible. In fact, if you look at several places, there's at least 16 people who are called apostles. So who is it going to be? I want it to be Paul. You know, I, that's what I want. Don't you? I mean, everybody loves Paul because, I mean, he's just so amazing. But who knows? We know that there are going to be 12 names of 12 apostles around that building. But we don't really know who they are. We figure we know who 11 of them are. We just don't know who the 12th one might be. Think about this. The gates represent the tribes of Israel, and the stones represent the 12 apostles of the church. All are together to live forever with Jesus Christ. 
Isn't that amazing? Think about it. The nation and the church come together. And by the way, it's always been that way. I mean, they're separate in the sense that there's a, a nation of Israel that's God's people. There's the church, the body of Christ, made up of Jews and Gentiles in one body. It's always been that way. Then they're back and forth. But now they're all coming together in a city, in a giant city. Now, how big is this city? Well, let's see what happens. Look at verse 15. Then the one who spoke with me had a gold measuring <clears throat> rod to measure the city, its gates and its wall. So he's got this rod, this, this uh, what, what they called a measuring rod. Back in those days, they had measuring rods. Some of them were like a cubit, which most people say a cubit was from here to here, and they would measure things that way. They'd say, like, it's 15 cubits long. Sometimes they had measuring rods that were just, they just had it big, and they'd say they knew how long it was, and so they would measure it out this way. All he tells us here is there's this gold measuring rod to measure the city and its walls. And that's all, that's all we know. Well, how big is the city? Verse 16. The city is laid out as a square, and its length is as great as its width. And he measured the city with the rod, 1,500 miles long, wide, and its height, they are all equal. 1,500 miles long, 1,500 miles wide, and 1,500 miles high? Listen, if you think a wall of 216 feet high, how about a city that's 1,500 miles high? Could you imagine that? Could you imagine trying to get back to look up and see how far that goes? And it's, it's a cube because it's long, 1,500 miles long, 1,500 miles wide, and 1,500 miles high. It is, it is gigantic. In fact, somebody did a drawing like this, and they made this cube showing it looking that way. We don't really know. Could it be a cube? Could it be a pyramid? Could it, be, could it go up like this? We, we don't know. There's no way to know. And it just, all it tells us is that it's, it's long, wide, and high. Well, how big is that? How big is that? Well, Dr. Constable, who was one of my professors at Dallas Seminary, he said that's, you know, the United States is about 3,000 miles across, 1,500 miles is about halfway. He said it's like, say, a city starts at L.A. and goes past Dallas. Can, can you imagine that? Is, you know, if you said, I'd like to walk around the city, I don't think you're going to walk around the city, okay? It's that big. It's that gigantic. Can you picture anything that big? And, and people sometimes have said things like, where's all the people going to live? Well, think about it. Think about this place. It's, it, listen, we, we did some, some working on things. A, a, normal, a normal story or a floor is 12 feet. So if you looked at this and said, how many stories would this building be? It would be 660,000 stories high. I mean, we all say that this building's 100 stories high. This building is 50 stories high. That's a pretty good-sized building. This building is 660,000 stories high. And when you get to one of those stories and you get off the elevator and you look around and it goes 1,500 miles that way and 1,500 miles this way, how are you going to get where you live? Have you thought about that one? You think the elevators will be real fast? You know, this, this, no, this elevator only goes to the 160,000th floor. You've got to go over there. I think you'll just be able to get there. It's God's plan. He knows what he's doing. Can you imagine a city this big and this beautiful? You can't. Yeah, you can't. And then he describes to us how the wall. He says, and he measured its wall at 144 cubits by human measurements, also angelic measurements. And so that's about 216 feet. It's a little over two. 
200 feet tall, so it's about, so you can picture this city, and you get back, and you look at it, and there's a, there's a wall around the city, and there's gates and everything, and there's, there's, and we'll see more about these gates in a minute, and then you look up, and you say, boy, that wall's tall, and then you look up, and the city probably goes out of sight for you, for us. Wow. And, and the city is beautiful. 12 gates, 12 foundation stones, a wall 200 feet high. It's 1,500 miles long and wide and high. What does the wall look like? What does the city look like? Look at verse 18. The material of the wall was jasper, and the city was pure gold like clear gas, glass. What? What, what, do you, what does this mean? There we go. The material of the wall was like jasper, some kind of stone-looking thing, and, and, and you could see through it. The material of the wall was like jasper, and the city was like pure gold, like clear glass. It was like the gold that you see. You, you could, it's like gold, and it's shining, and it's beautiful, but you can look through it. Somehow you can, you can look through it. You can see through these walls. And then he tells us about those foundation stones. Look what he says in verse 19. The foundation stones of the city wall were decorated with every kind of precious stone. And then he starts naming it. There was jasper and sapphire and chalcedony and emerald and sardonyx and sardis and crystallite and uh, beryl and topaz and crystal phrase and geneseth and uh, amethyst. And he names all of these things, the 12 foundation stones, uh, which are the ones of the apostles. They're all these different colors. Let me just put this up for you. This, this is the best I could find. I tried to look up and see. Some people actually say that some of these stones no longer exist or may only exist in the future. But look at the colors. Green, blue, sky blue, green, red and white, red, golden, yellow, sea green, yellow green, green, blue, purple. That's those foundation stones all the way up and around. What a city. Can you imagine? That's just the foundation of the city and the walls. It is amazing. And now we got one more thing. Look at verse 21. It says, and the 12 gates were 12 pearls. Each one of the gates was a single pearl. And the streets of the city was pure gold like transparent glass. Look at the, the walls of the city. They're clear and golden. It's, it's just unbelievably beautiful. And each of the gates... Each gate is a single pearl. You've probably heard all your life that people have said, when you get to heaven, there'll be streets of gold and pearly gates. Well, this is not heaven. This is a new heaven and a new earth, and this is new Jerusalem, and the streets are made out of gold that you can see through, and the gate is, each gate is a giant pearl, a single pearl. I can't imagine that. Can you imagine it? Can you imagine like a big giant pearl, maybe, that has an opening in it that you can go through it? And it's got the names of the tribes of Israel. And you look at these foundation stones and they're beautiful, all these different colors, and they've got the names of the 12 apostles on them. And they're all coming together. And so what you probably ever heard all your life was people say, when you get to heaven, there's streets of gold and pearly gates. Well, this isn't heaven. This is eternal state where you're going to be forever and ever. And there's a giant city. And that giant city has a wall around it. And that wall around it has those foundation stones. And it has those gates. And the gate is a sing each gate is a single pearl with an angel there and the name of a tribe of Israel. And then each of the foundation stones, in, uh, you know, are, are the apostles. And the streets are gold. And the 12 gates were 12 pearls. Each one of the gates was a single pearl. And the streets of the city were pure gold like transparent glass. You could see through it. You could see through the gold. 
You know, it's so amazing that in this world, gold is so valuable, and in that world, gold is like payment. Gold is like, that's, we make our streets for that. And it's so good, you can see through it. It's so amazing. It's beyond comprehension. You know, I've tried for two, two or three weeks in my mind trying to say, how do we describe this? I mean, we can read it, but what does it really look like? And I don't think we can imagine exactly what God has for us. It's going to be amazing. Well, let's look. We've got to go quickly here. It says, verse 22, I saw no temple in it for the Lord God, the Almighty, and the Lamb are the temple. Now, there's no temple. Why? Because uh, the, the Lord God and the Lamb are the temple. Now, the Lord God is the Father and the Lamb's the Son. We already saw back, if you remember, way back at the throne in heaven, there's the Father sitting on the throne, and beside him is the Lamb, Jesus Christ, who is the Son of God, and the seven spirits of the Holy Spirit were around the throne. That's how it fit. He says, I saw no temple. There always been a temple. The idea of temple, the Greek word for temple is naos here, which means the holy dwelling place. He said, I saw no holy dwelling place because the Lord God, the Almighty, and the Lamb of the temple. Why? Because they're the holy dwelling place. The Father and the Son, Jesus Christ and the Father are the holy ones. And they are there. And then notice something that, that we, we've talked about already. But look, it says, And the city has no need of the sun or the moon to shine on it, for the glory of God has illuminated it, and the lamp is the Lamb. There's, there's no need of the sun or the moon. Some people, I, I said last week there was no sun or moon. Some people say, well, there may be a sun or moon, they're just not needed. Well, I, I don't. I don't think there's any night or anything, so I won't, we won't see that. There is no sun or moon. But what does it say? It says, there is no sun or moon, but uh, the glory of God illuminated it, and the lamp is the lamb. See, God is the glory. God, the glory of God is everything. Whoops, let me go back this way. God is the, the glory of God lights everything. Listen, Jesus is the light. Look what it says. In him, this is John chapter 1 talking about Jesus. In him was life and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness is not able to overcome it or comprehend it. He's the light of the world. That's who he is. And uh, Jesus is the light of the world. We're to shine as lights in the world. In the Bible, especially the writer John writes it, and he talks about and men love darkness rather than light because their deeds are evil. So darkness is always evil, and light is always holiness, and that's what he talks about. And it's so amazing. And so he says that the, the city has no need for the glory of the Lord. Listen, I remember people saying, okay, the Bible says God created the heavens and earth in six days. On the first day, he said, let there be what? Let there be light, right? And then people say, well, how could there be days? There's no sun or moon. Listen, you don't need a sun or moon to have light. God is the light. In, in the eternal state, there won't be suns or moon going around. If God is the light. And you just have to understand that before God made the sun and the moon, he still was the light of the world. Always has been, always will be. So, Jesus is the light of the world. Uh, uh, there was a... When I was at Dallas Seminary, there was a guy who came to speak at chapel. His name was Vance Havner. He was 90 in his 90s when he came to speak. He had had this long ministry. He was famous for these one-liners. He was just really a great teacher. Uh, but here's what he said about, about all this. He said, we're talking about light of the world and everything. He says, we're not here to learn how to live in the dark, but to walk in the light. We're not here to get along with evil, but to overcome evil with good. Uh, the idea of light, and that's where we are right now. Jesus said uh, he's the light of the world, and he says that we're to be lights in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation. And it says there's no need of the sun or the moon to light it, shine on it, for the glory of the Lord is illuminated, and the lamp is the lamb. That's Jesus. He's the light. 
And then he says this, the nations will walk by its light and the kings of the earth will bring their glory into it. People say, what is that talking about? I think he's saying this, that the kings of the world who have been saved by Jesus Christ, all the kings, all the nations, all the people, they're going to be able to go in and out of that city and it is the glory of God that they're there. That's what it's all about because he is the responsible one. It's all because of him. It goes on to say in verse 25, in the daytime, for there will be no night there, its gates will never be closed. Well, the gates will never be closed. What does that mean? Well, because it's always daytime and the gates in a city, the gates were closed and there was used to this. It was either commerce where things would go in and go out and then there's protection. At night, they close the gates, but there won't be night. Then the gates will never be closed and we won't need protection from an enemy because there'll never be another enemy. There's no such thing. The gates are always open. People can always go in and out with safety because Jesus Christ is the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And it says, it says, uh, and they will bring the glory and the honor of the nations into it. All of the peoples that God has saved over the year and the nations will go in and out of the city. You'll be there. If you have believed in Jesus Christ, if you have eternal life, you will be there. You will be going in and out. You will have a place. He's gone to prepare a place for us. And then the final thing I just want you to see, there won't be any unbelievers. Notice it says in verse 27, and nothing unclean and no one who practices abomination and lying shall ever come into it. But only those names, those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life. Only those in the book of life. How do you get in the book of life? You get in the book of life by faith. Let me just say this. I hope and pray every one of you in this room that you've already believed in Christ and you have eternal life. But if you haven't, the only way that you'll get to be in the eternal state with Jesus Christ and live forever with him is to be in the book of life. And the only way you can be in the book of life is by faith in Jesus Christ. He died on the cross. He paid for sins. He rose again. And he offers a promise to us. He says, if you believe in me, I give you eternal life. We believe in Christ to get the gift of eternal life right where you're sitting right now. You can believe in Jesus and you say, Lord, I believe that you saved me. I believe you'll give me eternal life and I'm saved forever. And you can do that right now. I hope and pray that every one of you have believed in Christ. What's it gonna be like there? John Newton, most of you know who John Newton was. He wrote Amazing Grace. But when he was a young man, he left home, got on a, on a ship, he got on a slave ship, he had he helped, helped do slaves, he, was, he, he, was, he said he was just a horrible man, and then he found the truth and he believed in Jesus Christ and, and for eternal life. And when he got off one of these ships after he believed, he changed his life, he actually became a pastor, he wrote this, the thing Amazing Grace, but here's what he said about the eternal state. He said, you know, when we get there, I'll see wonders there. The first wonder will be many people whom I did not expect to see. Second, they'll miss the people, the many people I expected to see. And the third thing, the greatest of all, will be I find myself there because of Jesus Christ. I hope and pray you're in the Lamb's book of life. We have seen the holy city, the big description of it. There's no temple. God is there. He's the light. Twelve gates, twelve foundations, 1,500 miles high, wide, long. It's just incredible. Let me give you some quick applications in this. First, let's look to the eternal rather than the temporal. It is so easy to look at this world. We don't need to look at that. What 
What has God got for us? Colossians 3 says, seek the things that are above and not the things on the earth. The Bible says we look forward. In Philippians 3, we look forward that the coming of Jesus Christ, who will, he, our citizenship is not in heaven, but we look for the one who's going to come and change us, take us away, and let us be with him. So let's live, in a sense, for the eternal and not these temporal things because they're going to all be gone. Then number two, let's tell others about Jesus Christ. He is the way, the truth, and the life. There's no other way to go to heaven. I explained it to you all ago. There's only one way, and that's Jesus. He is the Savior, and I pray that we go out these doors. We do not want people left out of the kingdom and the eternal state. The third thing is God promises they're beyond what we can imagine. Listen, we, we can look at all this and we can say, well, it looks like a big pearl or the streets look like gold or this and this and this. And it's, but I think it's even beyond what we could ask or imagine. I think, uh, I, told, I told you that I had some people, friends that went to Kentucky to see the ark and they said they got out of their car and they started walk, walking toward the ark that, and you know, it's the size of the thing that Noah built. And they said, oh my gosh, it was bit, much bigger than they thought. What do you think is going to happen when we see a city that is 1,500 miles long, wide, and tall. It's, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be beyond our, our comprehension. And then the fourth thing, let's walk in the light now. Let's live righteously and godly now. As John, as First John writes, walk in the light as he is in the light. So we want to be holy. Let's be holy and live holy now. So what do we do? Well, uh, deal with sin. We all sin. We all sin and come short of the glory of God. The moment we sin, we confess it, deal with it, know the word, live by the word of God, study the scripture. You can know it and make application. Let's live differently than the world. We're not. We're in this world, but we're not of this world. Let's be different people. Let's be lights, and let's make. Make it a priority to serve the living God so that when we stand before him, he says, well done, good and faithful servant. I got a room for you on the 166th floor. Who knows? You know, we, we're going to have a great time.